Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of the Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. The Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we continue our study of the book of Joshua. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Joshua chapter 7 and follow along while I read. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, son of Camri, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which was near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three hundred men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about thirty-six of their men, and chased them before the gate as far as Shabaram, and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all, to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan? O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them, and they have taken some of the devoted things that they had stolen and lied and put them in their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become uh, devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people, and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans, and the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man. And he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Sarahites was taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zarahites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. 
And he brought near his household, man by man, and Achan son of Kimri, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing fifty shekels, then I coveted them and took them, and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And behold, it was hidden in the tent with silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to the people of Israel and laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and daughters, his oxen and donkeys and sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today, and all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned him with fire and stoned them with stone, and they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day, and the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. In this chapter, we have the story of Achan, a man who kept some of the devoted things from Jericho. As the Israelites were doing the things that God had called them to do at Jericho, they had marched around the city, the walls had fallen, and they were to go into the city and devote everything to the Lord, either by putting it to the sword or collecting it and putting it into the treasury of the tabernacle. God had said in this first battle, everything is mine. Don't keep anything for yourself. And Achan had seen some things that he just couldn't help but lay hold of and keep for himself. And so he took those and they hid him in his tent, knowing that he wasn't supposed to have them and wondering if he might even ever get to use them. He buries them in his tent. After Achan has buried these things in his tent, it's time for uh, Joshua and Israel to go fight their next battle at Ai. They send spies to, to this town and they scout it out and come back and say, you know, we don't even need everyone. We just need a, a few soldiers to go in and, and take this place captive. The problem was that they didn't realize that God was not going to fight this battle for them. God was not going to give them the victory that they had assumed because they were not going about it his way. And so I think there's a principle at work in this chapter that we need to understand, that God will not grant victory at the expense of purity. God will not grant victory at the expense of purity. That is not to say that every time you do something wrong, God is going to punish you for it. Well, we certainly see evidence to the contrary every day. But what it does say is that uh, in our life pursuits, where God has given us uh, specific instruction and guidance on how to achieve the things that he wants us to have, we have to do it his way if we want to experience the fullness of those blessings. And let's analyze what's going on here in this chapter. 
We have in the first five verses this description of Israel's condition, a condition they're not even completely aware of because one part of the camp of Israel has violated the covenant made with God. God said, you'll have victory if you go about it this way. And Achan took it on himself to do it differently. And there were rippling consequences throughout the whole nation of Israel because of his actions. Then we have Joshua after the defeat at Ai, just really confused, falling on his face before the Ark of the Covenant and crying out to God, God, why in the world did you do this to us? Why did you bring us across the Jordan River and give us a victory at Jericho only to have us humiliated at Ai? It's interesting God's response here. He basically says, Joshua, I'm not sure why you're confused. I told you in this circumstance that if you did exactly what I said, you would be successful. So if you don't do exactly what I say, you will not be successful. You weren't successful. What happened? It wasn't me. It was you guys. I hold up my end of the bargain. I did exactly what I said I would do. You need to look at the people. Don't look at me. Look at the people. Who did? Who messed this up? <laughs> it wasn't God. And so we see, uh, starting in about verse 16, this calling out of the families within Israel uh, until they identify Achan, the son of Camry, as, as the perpetrator of, of the trouble. And once Achan is called to account, once the whole nation's eyes are upon him and, 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 and all of Israel knows that he's guilty, he confesses. Maybe not unlike most of us who uh, typically confess once we're cornered and, and have no other option. Uh, but Achan makes this confession and there are consequences that come to it. Very severe consequences, uh, consequences that may even uh, offend our sensibilities because we wonder how much did his family know and we wonder uh, if this is not overkill. Uh, but again, uh, as we've said several times uh, through Joshua so far, God is carrying out a, a mission of, of judgment and justice. And certainly when the letter is kept, it appears very harsh. That's certainly why we should appreciate the mercy and grace that Jesus comes with. But when Achan makes his confession, there are consequences. And until these things that were supposed to be devoted to the Lord are devoted to the Lord, Israel can't go any further. God has given them a path uh, to give, to claiming all the blessings of their inheritance, but he said you must go about it this way. And it's not until these things happen that they experience those blessings. So let's summarize the story in about three points. Uh, one is, it seems very obvious from this chapter that God takes sin more seriously than we do. The wrong things we do, the bad choices we make, God takes those much more seriously than we do. Our problem is that we often dread the consequences and the discovery of our sin more than the sin itself. See, the sin are, are things that bother God, that upset God, that displease God. When we do them, we're bringing distress to Him. 
I can only imagine what it would be like at my house if I knew there were certain things that my wife couldn't stand. And I came into the house one evening and just started doing all of those things to antagonize her and to agitate her. I wouldn't have the happy, peaceful home that I'd had only a few minutes earlier because I'm going about life in that home in a way that stirs up strife. We need to learn to hate the sin that God hates. We need to understand why it's bad, why it's not in our best interest, accept what God has said about those things. Trust him that he's giving us the uh, the best solutions for our problems and trust him enough to do what he says. We don't need to go our own way and then just hope no one finds out about it. But very often we're guilty of dreading the consequences of sin much more than sin itself. We live in a society now that strives to eliminate the consequences of bad choices and bad behavior. If you look at most of the things that uh, are pushed for in our society, it's very often the freedom to do whatever I want without any consequences. And that's unfortunate because you can't eliminate consequences. You can't eliminate uh, what happens as a result of, of the choices we make. And so we have to get to a point where we understand the consequences and make choices that bring about the consequences we want. We have to do the things that, that bring about the results that are needed in our lives. We have to stop dreading the consequences and the discovery. We have to start hating sin and eliminating that from our lives. A second point is that God judges sin more thoroughly than we expect. I've mentioned a few times that the the violence in this um, uh, in this story of Joshua is, is something that uh, is is a little upsetting to some of us. It's not the way we would handle it. It may not even be the way we think God should have handled it. But God absolutely cuts this problem off at its source and creates a situation where it cannot be perpetuated or there can't be lasting repercussions from it. And we need to understand that as as horrible as this is, it gives us a glimpse of a final judgment where we may be separated from God's people if we've chosen to not consecrate ourselves, not allow ourselves to be used for God's purposes, and not go about life in the way that God has called us to. God judges sin more thoroughly than we're expecting. I think some of us expect a slap on the back of the hand for some really bad choices that we've made. God's given us a way to have those things removed from our account, removed from our record, so that uh, there's not an eternal consequence. But we need to understand that God judges that thoroughly. And so if we're not in Christ and that blood of Christ has not washed us clean, uh, we can expect a judgment like Achan. And thirdly, God covers sin more effectively than we can. Achan has gone and his sin is buried beneath the floor of his tent. And he's not expecting anyone to find it there, but it's revealed. He can't imagine that in all of Israel, they'll think to check in his tent and find it underneath. But he ends up having to uh, confess to it and tell them exactly where it is. It's uncovered and revealed to everyone. 
See, God's promise is that he can cover our sin more effectively than we can. If we try to cover our own sin, God will uncover it. But if we give it to him and let him cover it with the blood of Christ, it's completely covered. We don't have to experience this judgment from God because the verdict has already been announced in Christ. We get to spend eternity with him. So as many questions as we might have about the story and some of the details, I think it does us well to realize that in it we see a story of God's attitude towards sin, God's judgment of sin. He takes it more seriously than we do. He judges it more thoroughly than we expect, but he can cover it more effectively than we can. Will we let him cover our sin? Will we start living according to the covenant that he's provided us and experience all of the blessings that he has in store for us? Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. 